that amazing grace. We're going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing the song. Since Jesus came into my heart, a result of that amazing grace, I want you to sing with all your joy in your heart about what Jesus did for you. Since Jesus came into my heart.
Praise the Lord. Good morning, Brinesburg. It is, it is good to see you this morning. I hope you've had a good week. I know that some of you are probably uh, locked in the house because of the ice a little bit this week. And uh, glad to be out today. Uh, so glad the Lord has watched over us this week and uh, able to gather together this morning. And we are here for one purpose, and that is to lift up and glorify the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're so glad that we have the opportunity to do that together corporately as a church family today. For those of you who are joining us through television there on Facebook Live, we want to welcome you this morning. I am Brother Brad Walker, and I'm the pastor here at Brinesford Baptist Church. We're so glad uh, that you have joined us today. And for those of you that are joining us through Facebook Live, if you would, there in the comment section, let us know your name and any prayer requests that you might have. And always so glad to know who's joining us in that way each week, and, and we welcome you. For those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brownsburg. We want to welcome you as well. And you'll notice in the pew in front of you, uh, there should be a little card there. And if you'll fill that out and place it in that offering plate that's on the large round table in the foyer as you leave this morning, helps us to know of your attendance, but more importantly, helps us to know how we can pray for you and your family and glad that you are with us this morning in worship. Uh, again, we have a lot going on this week. I hope that you have read your bulletin and see all of those things that pertain to you and your family. Tonight, we're very excited. We're going to be having our annual uh, winter banquet tonight over in the Activity Center at 6 o'clock, and that'll be catered, the food other than salads and desserts. We do need you to bring salads and desserts tonight, but the pasta uh, will be provided, and we're looking forward to a great time. Uh, we want you to come. You do need to know your Bible trivia, though, okay? So if you, uh, if you haven't been working on that this week, you're going to have to take a crash course this, this afternoon. Uh, but uh, we're going to have a great time. We're going to be playing as a church family uh, some games and, and spending time in, in worship and spend time in, in uh, the scripture. And it's going to be a fun night, and you're going to be blessed by it. So if you've got family or friends you'd like to bring with you, it's just going to be a fun night as a church family for us to celebrate that the love that the Lord has shown to us and that we have for one another. And I'm looking forward to that this evening. Also want to remind all of those who have children in second through fifth grade, if your child is planning on going to children's camp uh, this summer at Crossings down at Jonathan Creek, that $75 non-refundable deposit is due today. And so please do let us know. Uh, we're having to get that in to Crossings, and so we need that, that in today, and we do appreciate you helping us with that. Um, and then you see the other items that are coming up, a lot, uh, a lot going on here in the month of February, and so hope that you've read your bulletin. Again, our prayer list is filled with many names, and I'm sure that you have uh, probably added others throughout the day in your Sunday school classes, and we certainly want to pray for those needs uh, that are physical in nature, uh, relationships that uh, are in need of, of the Lord's touch right now, financial issues that we know the Lord needs to intervene on. But most importantly, we are going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray for our one. Maybe the Lord's laid a lot more than one on your heart, but at least one who the Lord has laid on our heart for us to pray for and look for opportunities to share with. And so even today, we pray that even during this time this morning, uh, for those who are here, and we do have some folks here that I know don't yet have a relationship with Christ, that even today that they would come and say yes to that relationship. They would recognize that the Lord's speaking to their heart, and they would come to him by faith even today. Uh, but also the, the Lord might give us opportunities throughout this week to be able to share, uh, to be able to invite, 
And then we recognize, as we studied this morning in our adult Sunday school classes, uh, the results of the Lord's. Uh, and so if we will just be faithful and do what the Lord's called us to do, uh, we trust in, in the promises of God that he will, he will answer those prayers. And so with that in mind this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we do thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come together and to worship, and to know that as we do, that you are here, and Lord, uh, that, that there is just something special that happens when corporately we come together and we lift up our hearts and our voices in praise. When as a church family, we come together, and, and in unity, we, we lift up these needs and these these prayer request and as we lift up the the names of the lost around us some of those are our kids some of those are our spouses some of those are a friend or a, a co-worker or a classmate but Lord to know that you hear those those needs and Lord you you hear those requests of our heart and Lord that you don't just hear them but you you meet us at the point of our need and Lord that you can change the situations and circumstances and you can soften the, the hardest heart Lord this morning as we come before you we we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. But we are thankful that you have given us your word. Lord, that you have given us this love letter that allows us to know how you feel about us and shows us how you've called us to live our life with, with meaning and purpose. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would speak in a powerful way through your word. And again, Lord, that if there's even one here that doesn't yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today would be a day of salvation. Lord, I, I thank you for meeting every need in this place. Lord, I thank you for bringing us to this place on purpose, for a reason. And this time is yours. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
This morning as we come to our time of prayer here at the altar, uh, perhaps you know the Lord has touched your life and he has changed you and you just want to come and you just want to thank him for that. Maybe you know there is a loved one, someone that you care deeply about and their life has not uh, yet been given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. That personal relationship has not yet begun in their life and you want to pray for them today. Maybe there's a physical need, maybe there's a relational need. Whatever that might be, we want you to know the altar is going to be open this morning. If you'd like to bring a family member or a friend to come and pray with you or just you and the Lord, that's fine as well. Uh, but we want, we want you to know this time is for you to come and spend time with just you and the Lord and give it over to him. With every head bowed and with all eyes closed this morning, the altar is open. Come, let's spend time in prayer. Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, this week we thank you for answered prayers. Lord, we thank you for those that have come to saving faith. And Lord, now we can rejoice because we have a new brother or sister in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the prayers that have been answered physically. And Lord, for the way you've touched bodies and brought health and strength. Lord, we thank you for the relationships that you have mended. But Lord, we also recognize this morning there are needs. Lord, that folks are still coming and may still have a need that, according to the world, could never be met. The world would tell us, well, that's impossible. That illness could never be healed. That relationship could never be mended. That person could never be saved. But Lord, we've been promised by you that with our God, nothing shall be impossible. And so, Lord, we come to you, and we lift up these needs. We lift up these names of individuals that we know are struggling. And, Lord, we give it all over to you, trusting that your promise is true, that with our God, nothing shall be impossible. And so, Lord, where there is a health need, Lord, we pray for healing. Where there is a relationship that is broken, we pray for reconciliation. And, Lord, where there is a, a loved one who is lost, we pray for saving faith. Lord, we know that you can do it, and we pray that you might do it today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand together Him about grace, the amazing grace, how sweet the sound is.
Amen. Thank you, Dee, and uh, thank you, Robbie. What a wonderful promise the Lord has given to us. What a wonderful reminder uh, of the fact that we are to humble ourselves and pray, turn from our wicked ways, seek Him, and those promises are true. They're true today just as they were then, and so uh, thank you for that reminder today. Turn with me this morning, if you will, in your Bibles, as we continue this journey through the book of Genesis, this uh, history of, of people, but specifically history of the Hebrew people, Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at the first nine verses this morning, and specifically thinking on what is said there about the people of that day. Um, that what their focus was, let us make us a name. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we do thank you for your great love. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather together for this time of worship. And Lord, I pray that today here in Genesis chapter 11 that you would remind us that we are not far removed from where those who built Babel were. In fact, we may be even worse. And so, Lord, I pray that today you would remind us that if there is to be any glory sought, it is for us to bring your holy name, honor, and glory, and praise. That it is not about us, and it has never been about us, and it will never be about us, that it is about you. Lord, I pray today that if there is anyone here who, in their pride, is, is still desiring to, to, to try to do it their own way and, and they have not yet come to you for salvation, Lord, that whether they be young or old alike, that today they might actually humble themselves and say yes to a personal relationship with you. Stop playing games, stop putting it off, and that they would be obedient in coming to you. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. So, Lord, this morning I pray that you might hide me behind the cross that only you would be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can always tell uh, when it is campaign season 
because there's some specific things that start happening. Um, and we've currently, here in the state of Kentucky, we're on that strange gubernatorial, uh, on an off-year election cycle, and so that's where we're at right now. And that, that gubernatorial race is, is kicking into gear, and you can tell it, because there's a lot of people that you don't usually see who's coming to this side of the state, right? And, and for some reason, they're coming with really big checks, you know? I mean, physically large checks, you know? Uh, really, why, why would, I don't think C, CFSB cashes checks that are that size, but they're always that size, and there's always somebody running for office standing behind it smiling real big, aren't they? I wonder why that is. Politicians love to travel to every little community. And have you ever noticed they'll tell you whatever you want to hear? Have you, this balloon that went up, you knew I was going to talk about the balloon. <laughs> every politician got behind a mic and they had the answer for the balloon this weekend, didn't they? They, every last one had the answer. Here's what I would have done. You would not have. But they all want to make a name for themselves. Here's you a check. Remember my name. Here's what you want to hear. Remember my name. Here's a national emergency. Let me get behind a mic. Remember my name. They all desire to make a name for themselves. As a nation, over the past 50 years, we have clearly walked further and further away from God because of the desire that we have to make a name for ourselves. Now, this idea uh, is not something new. It's something that happened, and we see that here in Genesis chapter 11. And it's something we clearly see still today. Today, it's gotten to the point where um, the idea of, of prayer is openly mocked in our society. Um, the idea that you would pray is, okay, isn't that quaint? Isn't that old-fashioned? It's made fun of in the public square. The truth of God, an intelligent creator, the truth of God establishing the heaven and the earth is scoffed at and the big bang is promoted instead as being fact and that is pushed and it's, it, it's something that was clearly invented in the minds of man. Those views are just as much a religion as any other religion in the world today. It takes a whole lot of faith to believe that all of a sudden, nothing banged and everything was. But that's what is being taught. Because we want to make a name for ourselves. We don't want to believe that God is in control. From the beginning, it seems that we have desired to dethrone God and place ourselves upon his throne. And so we have looked for every opportunity to glorify ourselves rather than God who created and who sustains us. And that's actually what we see in the original sin, it's the desire to dethrone God and place ourselves there. Of I know better. I know what I need in my life better than God knows. Genesis 3, 6. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, listen to this, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. From there, man went from bad to worse, as we've seen over the last few, few weeks, until the Lord finally destroyed the earth with a global flood that destroyed every part of the earth, leaving only Noah and his family as a remnant on the earth. 
And from Noah's descendants, and we've seen from what we looked at last week, namely Ham, we find Nimrod, a man who actively sought here in, in chapter 11, to build a kingdom to his own glory rather than to God's. And this leads to the building of this great city called Babel, which we find ourselves looking at this morning. Man seeking to build a city. Man seeking to build a structure. Man seeking to build a tower to glorify his own name rather than God's. Let us make us a name. Please stand with me and honor the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 11. Let's look at these first nine verses. And the whole earth was one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they were journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the, la- in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men build. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. In this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down. And there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord scattered them abroad from thence unto the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. You may be seated. We're dealing with these same issues today. As a culture, um, we're looking for every opportunity, it would seem, to get rid of God and place ourselves upon his throne. Our own government seems to look for ways to promote freedom from rather than freedom of religion, or more accurately, freedom to live in a relationship to Christ in a visible way. In vocal way. All throughout history, the world's most violent dictators and brutal leaders have done the same thing. They have sought to build a kingdom that glorifies their own name rather than God's. We think about uh, Caesar, we think about Napoleon, we think about present day uh, dictators like Kim Jong un of, of North Korea or Vladimir Putin of Russia, and they all have something in common. They all desire to lift up their own name to bring themselves greater glory. And so this morning we see here in Genesis chapter 11 that they desired to make a name for themselves. And this begins as we look at verses 1 and 2. They have one language, one language leading to evil. One language leading to evil. Now how could that happen? The whole earth here refers only to the area that we presently call the Middle East. And the reason for that is they hadn't done what God called them to do. 
they had not spread out. They had not gone and populated the entirety of the earth. They had stayed right there. They had not obeyed God's command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so to go out and to fill the earth would mean they would have had to have left the safety of the city, the safety of each other. And guess what? They would have had to have relied upon God. They'd rather rely upon themselves. They'd rather rely upon other men than to rely upon God. And so because of that, because they would rather rely upon their strength and the strength of others rather than place their faith in care of God, they were unwilling to take the risk to step out into the unknown and obey the words of the Lord. And so we're told that they had one language. Today's technology is focused on communication. It's focused on, on finding ways, even with you know, iPhone apps, smartphone apps, all these different things, that will enable us once again to have one language that will allow us to understand one another w- without difficulty. And so the, the question comes so often, well, you know, how could having one language be, be evil? How could that be a negative? How could it be an, a negative thing to be able to communicate seamlessly? Well, because mankind corrupted the good gift of God. Language was a good gift of God. In fact, only man was given the gift of speech. It's one of the things that causes us to be created in the image and likeness of God. We, we've oftentimes tried to remind you that being created in the image of likeness of God does not mean that God is just bigger, stronger, and more handsome than us. Of course, he does not have a physical body as we do. But what we see here is the characteristics of God. He allows us to share. And one of those is communication, speech. We have intellect and we can um, articulate words, usually. Sometimes I don't do so well on that. But um, we have the ability to do that. Communication and speech is part of that image and likeness of God that he has given to us. It is a good gift. Man took this good gift and used it to try and glorify himself apart from God. And so there was simply one language with no differences. So I guess they didn't have a West Kentucky dialect or anything like that. There was one, it makes it very clear, it was one language without differences. And so it made it, so the communication was seamless with one another and they were able to to, to create whatever they wanted to create because they were communicating very easily. The second thing we see is, is verses three and four. And we see one united people leading to evil. Well, how can that be? Well, mankind decided to turn to himself rather than God. That unification was a unification in rebellion against God. They united in a work of making themselves great. And so we're told that they made bricks. Once again, this is part of being created in the image and likeness of God. We have an intellect where we can create. We have the ability to think and solve problems. We have cognitive skills. Animal kingdom does not have that. But we do because we were created in the image and likeness of God. And so they come up with this idea of making bricks. There wasn't stone. Okay, we'll solve that problem. We'll make bricks. And we'll use slime for mortar. And so they chose to usurp God once again. Okay, God doesn't want us to stay in one place. There's not enough room. We're just going to go up, okay? We'll just, we'll just do our own thing here. And we'll build ourselves a city 
here. We'll do what we want to do. And so because there was no stone, they came up with this new technology to overcome the obstacle, again, to glorify their own name. And even today, we are about the task of making ourselves great. Universities today spend their time not educating our children on how they can think through different matters, but rather what to think. Specifically, this is what you are to think, which has led to a godless culture. Modern-day science, medicine, and technology are united in a hope of bringing the world to a higher plane of existence beyond the threat of, of disease and death. We think about the space program. Um, it presents this international attempt at mutual cooperation and communication, again, in hopes of escaping the confines of our earthly environment. One of the hopes is, is that one day, with this technology, that we would be able to inhabit perhaps the moon or, or we'd be able to inhabit um, the planet of Mars and we could start over. We could, we could start over not making the same mistakes that we've made here on this earth. I think, thinking of a, of a utopia, if we could just get away from this earth. However, the Lord makes it very clear that no matter where we go, we will carry the curse of sin along with us. It's not just this world. It's us. <laughs> we are sinful. We have a sin nature within us, and it travels, okay? It doesn't just stay at home. And so only by turning to Christ are we set free through, our, through a relationship with Christ. Only when we turn to Jesus, not through our own works, but only through Christ can we be saved. And so the issues of this world, understand this, are going to follow us. Anything that's wrong with this world is going to go to another world. If we try to inhabit it, because we are a sinful people, and that doesn't change. Look at verse 4, he says, let us build us a city. Again, the focus is not on God. This city, again, is ancient Babylon. Uh, and again, Babylon throughout Scripture is always pointed to as the enemy of God. It's always pointed to as the world system of doing things, the enemy. And so we're told that they built a tower. And so at first glance, I'm sure many of us, especially as kids, think to ourselves, what is so evil about a tower? I mean, from a little kid, you, you take Legos, and what you do with Legos is you see how big a tower you can build. Is that sinful? Is there something sinful about building tall things? That's not the point here. That's important to understand that that's not the point here. This is a ziggurat. This was a pagan temple. This was built for a specific purpose of worshiping pagan gods and more accurately for man to worship himself. That is what they were doing here. And you know what these pagan temples look like. If you think about it, you've seen these in textbooks and pictures. If you think about uh, ancient Mayan temples, and so you have this... Uh, Looks like almost stairwells that are going up at a slant. You maybe just have it on one side, but, but they're all kind of built in that stair pattern. Uh, maybe it has steps on all four sides. But it gives the illusion that these steps are going all the way to heaven. The idea is, is that you look at it and it looks as if this huge structure is making its way up to heaven. Now, why would that be important? Well, it's important because at the top of this ziggurat, at the top of this pagan structure is a area for worship, a little temple. Was it, is it built to worship God? No. This is built to worship pagan gods. 
This was built to, to rebel against God and build a structure where a pagan god might be worshipped. They wanted this tower to reach the heavens. And again, this is a, an ancient form of humanistic thinking. We will create ourselves a god. Mankind can, can raise himself and become equal with God. And again, we see in, in Genesis, it, it tells us that we were created in the image and likeness of God. The idea with humanistic thinking is, let us flip that on its head, and now we will create gods in our own image and in our own likeness. We'll create gods that are more palatable to us. And that's exactly what happens here at Babel. They are creating gods in their own image. You look at New Age thinking and belief systems today, and it teaches this same idea. You can create a God in your own image and in your own likeness. The idea of gods being created in our image is, is nothing new. It's been happening for centuries. It says, let us make a name for ourselves. Again, there's no mention here of God or the fact that God had said, leave and fill the whole earth. Again, it's rebellion. They refused to do what God called them to do. It's like dealing with a petulant three-year-old. No, I'm going to stiffen up and I'll do what I want to do. And that's exactly what God's dealing with here. Whatever you ask me to do, no, nope, I'm not going to do it. And so we see here that they refuse to follow God's will. They refuse to bring God glory. They refuse to obey God's command. I'm not going to do it, was their only response. Lest we be scattered abroad. Finally, finally man refers to God's command. Finally they get back to what God had even said. However, it is only to make clear that they weren't going to obey it. That they were going to do their own thing. See, man is unwilling to do voluntarily what God has called him to do. And so they want to make a name for themselves. But notice how weak and how scared they are to even leave the city. They want to make themselves gods, but they don't even think that they can survive outside the city. You put us out in the wilderness, what's going to happen to us? We'll certainly be destroyed if we're not together. We're not going out there. you got to be kidding me. And so they stay in this one place in open rebellion against God's command. But thirdly, we see one God leading us to grace. Look at verses 5 through 9. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that grace and the promises of God are based upon him and not us. It's, about, it's based upon the nature of God, not upon us. Because if it was any of us based upon us, we'd be in trouble. So why does God come down to see this city? Again, that he might extend grace. In order that he might extend grace to us... And that, that's what we see over and over and over again. When, when, when we came to God, it wasn't because we desired to come to God. It's because God brought us to himself. When God came down to confront Adam concerning the original sin in the garden, what does he do? He extends grace and makes a covering. When God came down to Abraham concerning the sinfulness of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was that Abraham might then have an opportunity to intercede on behalf of the people of Sodom and that by Abraham's prayer that God might have an occasion to extend grace once again. God's always looking for opportunities to extend grace. 
And here we see God coming down to see, again, can I defer judgment? Is there a way to extend grace here? And we see the people are one. Again, this unity was evil because it led to an open rebellion against God. And again, humanity was united against God's perfect will for their lives. God had a, a reason. He had a plan. He had a purpose for everything that he was calling them to do. It was the same way in Noah's day, though, before God destroyed the earth. God knew what he was doing, and, and God was desiring to extend grace, but they didn't want to hear it. And in our sin, apart from God, we only join together for evil and to invent new ways to sin. And boy, do we see that in our current culture. And God makes an interesting statement here. He sees all that's happened, and now he says nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. What he's saying here is, is they're going to invent even, even greater ways to sin and, and rebel if, if we leave them together like this. And think of the ways that our communication has increased over the last hundred years and, and how we've used those new technologies, those new areas of communication to sin in, in open rebellion against God. Everything that we invent, every new technology is always used to pervert or sexualize or in some way abuse the innocent. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Brother Brett? Think about social media. Social media has been hijacked to spread hateful ideas with light speed across the world. I mean, think about how quickly a lie can be spread through social media today. I mean, you, you'll, you'll read something on social media, and you'll find yourself innocently going and saying, did you hear about that? I can't believe that happened. You know, I, can't, I, I just can't believe that that happened. You, you might hear a rumor about somebody in the church, about your pastor, whoever it might be, and you go and you say, I didn't know about that until I read it on social media. And then you find out about 45 minutes later, it was a lie. And you're like, whoops, I guess I shouldn't have said anything about that. But it spreads like wildfire. Think about the bullying that happens on social media. Bully, bullying that used to be able to be escaped, at least in the confines of the four walls of your own home. Because of, of social media and because of smartphones, that mess can follow you home. And, and it can be in your pocket now. It can be on your smartphone. And so now the bullying that used to be just in the school hallways, the bullying that used to just be at work, the harassment that used to just happen in, in those places, now it comes home with you. And it's in your hand. It's right in front of you on that screen at all times. We found new ways to sin. Think of the ways that we've invented to kill mass numbers of people in a short amount of time. New technology has made it possible now in warfare to push a button in an act of war and, and to destroy an entire another nation from the comfort of an office chair. That's one of the things that we've invented a way to annihilate people. It is technology that gave us germ warfare that allowed for COVID-19 virus to be built in a laboratory and then to be released upon the entire world, killing millions. We did that. That was invented by man. We've, we've created mass numbers of, of sinful ways to do things that just a few decades ago would have seemed impossible. But we've done it, and we found a way to sin with it. If God had withheld his hand here, man would have gone from bad to worse right at that very moment. 
we would quickly have slipped back into the deepest levels of wickedness. But God was simply giving us a chance to be saved from ourselves and from our own sinfulness. Look at verse 7. Let us confuse their language. The us here again, the us, it's the Trinity. It's the Trinity at work in, in grace. That one God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Sometimes people want to say, you know, you have this mean, angry, uh, warmongering God in the Old Testament, and then you have this grace-filled, loving Jesus in the New Testament. No, God has not changed. What we see here is that this is Jesus. This is Jesus in the Old Testament, us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But notice here, they are in a perfect agreement on what needs to be done here. So anything you see God doing in the Old Testament, guess what? It's Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect agreement. So what did confusing the languages accomplish? Well, what God had asked man to do voluntarily, he now forces them to do. And without the common language, the people were forced to form these independent cities and, and, and nations. They were forced to inhabit the whole of the earth rather than just this one little tiny piece of it that would never be able to sustain them long term. Again, we're reminded of the grace of God in giving us what we need rather than we want. Praise the Lord that he doesn't give us everything that we ask for, but he gives us everything that we need. And so confusing our languages and making us inhabit the whole of the earth saved the human race from destroying themselves right then and right there at that point through starvation and through disease. Um, I, I know many of you have probably heard the song, A Country Boy Can Survive, okay? Has that ever been mentioned in a sermon before? Probably not. But there's a lot of truth to that because a country boy can survive. Why? Because he's got land. And guess what you can do with land? You can plant wheat. And after you plant wheat, guess what you've got? Bread. You can also plant vegetables and you can harvest those vegetables. And guess what you've got? Fruits and vegetables. You know what else you've got if you've got land? You've got a pond somewhere. And with that pond comes the Lord's most amazing creation, catfish, okay? A country boy can survive on catfish. You can also go out and you can hunt. You can get meat. If you have property, you can survive. If you live in a high rise, you're going to die, okay? Here's what's going to happen. If things get rough, what are you going to plant? A tomato plant in a pot? I mean, you're not going to make it very long because you don't have any property. Another thing is the sanitation. God was like, you, you live in this little small area, in this city that you think everybody's going to live in? Sanitation is going to kill you. Disease is going to kill you. You ever heard of the Black Death? That's too many people, too small of a space. Here, in God's country, we have a little thing called septic tanks, and we take care of our own needs, okay? Because we've got room. But God says, spread out. You're going to die staying in this one small little area. Guess what? God knew what he was talking about. So we have worked so hard to try to overcome, though, this language gap and to reverse what God did for our own good and believing that it will lead to peace. If we all just could communicate, if we could all just talk to each other without, without hindrance, then, then everything will be okay. But God's word tells us, specifically in the book of Revelation, that the global reunification of mankind will ultimately lead to disaster. We can't get along no matter what. And so the Lord scattered them abroad at verse 8. This was the builder's greatest fear. 
They didn't want to be spread abroad. However, notice that the scattering did not lead to man's downfall, but it rescued him. It led to man's dominion over the whole of the earth rather than just that one small little area of the Middle East. And so whether man likes it or not, God's will will be done. Romans 14, 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me on, and every tongue shall confess to God. And this morning, you can either enter into a love relationship with Christ and know him in that loving, intimate way, or you can one day bow the knee to him at your judgment. You can live your whole life making a name for yourself, and then at the end of this life, you can leave this world literally with nothing, and you'll live an eternity separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell. Or you can surrender your life to Christ and place your faith in him for salvation, and you can be saved. And then at the end of this life, you will leave this broken world with everything. You will spend an eternity with God who loves you and who made a, a way for you to be saved through his death upon the cross of Calvary and rising on the third day. You can spend an eternity with him in what Jesus himself refers to as paradise. Who are you going to live for? Whose name are you going to glorify? Will you lift up the name of Jesus? Or are you going to live your entire life? designed to make a name for yourself. I plead with you this morning, come to Jesus. Say yes to him today. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for your great grace, Lord, for giving us what we need rather than what we deserve. And Lord, this morning, I know that you're offering grace once again. And Lord, we've got some folks here today, and they need to come to you for salvation. They need to say yes to you for the very first time when it comes to a personal love relationship. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would stir their heart. That, Lord, right now you're making them uncomfortable in their sin. You're making them uncomfortable in their rebellion. And, Lord, that you would allow them to let go of all of that and just come and say yes to you. Lord, I know that uh, there are many needs in this place. But, Lord, I know that you are the answer to every single one of them. And I thank you for that. Lord, help us to be obedient even now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.